fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. What up? Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is a Friday. Hey, man, you finally made it. Pat yourself on the back. You scream ice cream. We all scream for ice cream or something like that. I don't. I know Joe Biden likes ice cream. That's all he gets asked about whenever he does some type of event outside of the White House. He is the master of eating that ice cream. And I think we deserve a little bit, too, if there's any left over. Thanks, Elitist. Welcome into the program. Man, we have a lot to talk about today. As normal, this is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Little Voice of Reason, also in the house today, hanging out in studio with Daddy-O. Having a grand old time. She has had a blast sitting here for the last 10 hours working in the studios with me (laughs) yeah she had the day off of school got to come hang out with dad today it's been a great time looking forward to a daddy daughter weekend we got a lot to do this weekend we're still planning the events of the shenanigans that we may pull mrs voice of reason out of town for the weekend with a new fair a new event that she's got going on with her hoosier health products we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. So it's just her and I hanging out, and we got to find some stuff. Uh, by the way, programming note for you that I will not be on the syndicated weekend program for The Voice of Reason. We have a great guest filling in for the program, Michael Austin from Americans for Prosperity. He'll be filling in uh, for the nationally syndicated. I will be here for my local program in the Wichita area on Saturday morning, but we will not be here for the syndicated show as Little Voice of Reason has her very. Fr- I'm so excited. This is the fun age where now she's starting to get into theater and get into drama, and get into musicals. She has her very first dance theater that she's going to be in on Saturday evening, and I'm looking forward to being uh, with her for that. So uh, had to miss the program. Not going to be there. So we'll be enjoying that one. Uh, While she was in school, also her music class, getting her into musicals. So starting to get her in uh, for the first time. She watched uh, The Sound of Music. She's watched West Side Story. She's watched, what other musicals have you seen? Uh, Shrek the Musical. And a couple others. I have a laundry list now that we get to watch here soon. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm the proud papa. Proud papa. For those that don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, musicals used to be the thing, man. And was in theater myself and had a lot of plays that we got to be in. And got to run in the lead for a few of the musicals. Fiddler on the Roof, for example. That was such an honor to play Tevia back in the day. Oh, the high school times. And now I get to pass that along to her because she's getting into that age where it's enjoyable and fun. So I'm going to hold on to that as long as I possibly can. So good stuff. Nonetheless, we got a lot to talk about on the program today. Mark Tapson, he'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, He's with the David Horowitz Freedom Center. We're going to talk about the changing of society and how the progressive Democrats, for whatever reason, which we'll speculate and break it down a little bit, are breaking taboos in society. And normalizing what those taboos used to be, uh, obviously taboos and off-limits, are now acceptable. But not just acceptable, but normalized. So we'll have some fun on where society's at and how it's changed over the years. Nonetheless, we have to do our daily check-in because we do this every day with the man himself, Joe Biden, making sure that he's still cognitively available to say his name once in a while. Joe, how you doing, buddy? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Yeah, there it is. All right. By the way, did you hear the view, which I don't know anybody that actually watches the view, but there was a doctor on there, Dr. Jennifer Ashton, I guess with the network, 
that was on The View breaking down the medical report for Joe Biden after he had his doctor's appointment earlier this week. And they said, obviously, we didn't do a cognitive test because, I mean, he doesn't need it. He's the president. He does uh, the cognitive ability each and every day for being president of the United States. He may not remember his name, but by golly, he's still president. Therefore, he doesn't need a cognitive test. The same networks that said we wanted a three-hour interview with the doctor for Donald Trump when he was in office to make sure that he was uh, fit to be president and we didn't have to invoke the 25th Amendment on him. But nonetheless, the doctor was on The View and said something that I don't think she was supposed to say when she was reporting on what the media was able to gather regarding the medical screening and the physical that Joe Biden received. I think, in my medical opinion, first of all, how does he compare to a 54-year-old woman? I couldn't do that job Yeah, right, yeah. of being president. Um, there were some glaring omissions in that physical report. It was about seven pages. Uh, we all got a copy of it um, from the president's physician. We do what's called a review of systems anytime we do a physical exam on someone that includes not only just general neurologic evaluation but a mental evaluation a screening for depression or psychiatric illness mental illness anxiety not in there um cognitive exam not in there genitourinary exam prostate exam not in there we can all uh, so you what know, did expect- they check on him what yeah well they it was <laughs> Yeah. It was comprehensive in his doctor's opinion, yeah. but what was released to the public, oh. if you're a healthcare professional, you know what things have not been yeah. in there. That audio from Fox News, by the way, whoa. Did you catch all of that? So outside of actually getting a specific cognitive test, which is what Donald Trump wanted when he did that and showed that he passed with flying colors, his doctor said he was sharp as a tack and that he still had a brain like it was 20 years old uh, when he was in the presidency. Obviously, he's a few years older now, so that may happen again. But uh, even if they didn't, even if the Biden administration didn't want a specific extended cognitive test, That apparently is part of the normal physical that you would have in this type of screening that either didn't happen at all or wasn't released to the public and released to the media and released to the doctors that are part of the media. So even the doctors, I don't I don't think she was supposed to say that part. They were supposed to say Donald Trump's great or Joe Biden's great. Everything's hunky dory. Everything's fine. Don't worry. These aren't the joy Joe looking for. Is the way that was supposed to go. And what did she say? Oh, no, there's glaring omissions in this test and just basic things that the doctors usually look for a basic cognitive test, a basic mental health state, uh, not just for like the cognitive ability, but mental health and depression and anxiety, that sort of thing. Basic stuff that you would do in any screening, that stuff completely omitted from the report for the mainstream media and for the public. Completely omitted. So either they didn't do it at all and they were so desperate to keep Joe Biden looking healthy for the election time, they didn't do it at all, or they just omitted that part from the report that went out to the public. Do you really expect anything different? Honestly, did you really expect anything different from this report? They didn't give us a shred of evidence at all, shred of information whatsoever. Joe Biden's totally fits. Don't look this way. Just keep doing what you're doing. Fascinating, isn't it? Quite fascinating. All right, let's get into what's trending today. What's trending today? Obviously, the last couple days, focus has been on immigration down at the southern border. Both uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden been down at the border the last few days uh, rallying. Joe Biden saying that he could have totally prevented deaths from happening from illegal migrants if we just would have passed a bill. 
to give him full authority. Donald Trump, rightfully so, in my humble opinion, coming out and saying that this uh, issue has been the Biden crisis because he's allowed so many to come in since Donald Trump has left office. Uh, While the bickering has continued at the border, it's really glaring and showing its ugly mug all over the country as well, especially in the city of New York, where we have Mayor Eric Adams trying to defend their position on how to handle a lot of these illegal migrants in the area. And even AOC that was doing a town hall that got slammed by some protesters. And like in typical drama queen style that she is, kind of went on the defense and had no clue how to handle this situation while she was doing her open town hall for her constituents. In 2020, the CARES Act passed, and in 2021, we started to see a lot of different uh, uh, pieces of introductions. You only represent the illegal aliens in Well, clearly I don't because I'm an elected member of Congress, so keep it pushing, bro. <laughs> All right. It's always interesting to me when folks say that I only represent undocumented folks. Yeah, I don't think she handled that one right. I mean, that was total drama queen ish. Yeah. So that's totally not true because totally like. uh... And then she says, I think it's funny that people think I only represent illegal migrants. Well, she's been advocating for the open border policy. It's now affecting her constituents, it, not just there in New York and wherever she's at, Long Island. It's all over the country. But when you start redirecting resources from the poor people that were already low-income individuals that were already in your districts, you start taking away from them, adding or giving more benefits to someone that just got here illegally, then, yeah, you usually probably represent someone else other than actually your constituency. So she's been an advocate for open borders for a long time. People in her own district are now angry at her, which they've been angry at her for a while. She has no care in the world about her own constituency. She got rid of the... Uh, Amazon distribution center that was going to be in her district because, well, evil Amazon, evil corporation, can't be having corporations actually hiring people and building stuff and, you know, expanding the economy. That upset a lot of the workers in her area. Then she uh, was talking about environmentalism and had some crazies come in and talk about, like, eating babies because we need to keep the population low. And then they were upset with her stance on uh, actually defending some of the excursions overseas because they realized that she's not really caring about America first. And she got upset about that. And now, of course, this one as well. And uh, with the immigration issue. So she's not doing well properly representing her district, her constituents. She got elected, so she was able to squeak it out. But if you remember, about 80% of that funding came from outside of her district overall as well. Then you have the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, where he was freaking out just a while ago, a few months ago. I know it's been a long time. Politics, you have a short-term memory. But nonetheless, if you remember, he was freaking out about some of the illegal migrants coming in. Crime that's been skyrocketing right now. They didn't have enough resources. The homeless population's been increasing very steadily because of the number of migrants that have been coming into that area. They said they weren't accepting anymore because they couldn't. And he started turning on the immigration policy from the Democrat Party. And coincidentally, I'm not sure why this started happening, but as soon as he started turning on the immigration policy of the Democrats, all of a sudden he started getting under investigation from the feds about campaign finance laws and getting and accepting money from countries like Turkey for an election in New York City, which, of course, you find kind of odd. And they took his computers and they took his laptops and they took his cell phones and they took all of these different resources because, well, you're under investigation. Got to start tracking on where all this money's coming from. So then he backed off 
and you've seen him try to parrot and try to actually uh, take care of the Democrat stance and try to be pro-immigration again by now coming out and saying that he's actually saving money by giving the freebies out to the illegal migrants. We're saving approximately $600,000 a a month, $7.2 million a year by giving individuals a card that allows them to buy food or baby supplies, spending $13 a day on food that's cheaper, that's less food waste. This is a real win-win for us. And the money will go into the local economy because now we're going to the local stores, supermarkets, where we're going to hire local. This is a smart way to bring down the cost and replace the money back into our city. My brain hurts. How much did he say we were going to save by doing this? Now, again, this is a program that we didn't have before that now we're getting this federal money coming in or the state or the city is using this money to invest. And I say that with air quotes for our radio listeners, invest in the illegal migrants. How much money are we saving again? We're saving approximately $600,000 a a month, $7.2 million a year. We're saving that amount of money. By spending money, we're saving Money. I'm not sure if they understand how saving money actually works by putting it into you know a savings account and not spending something that you normally would have. So now you have additional expenditures and you're you're saving money. Oh, I'm not sure how that one works. And then the reinvesting in the private economy by spending it with businesses that the government gets by their tax money again all over the place. It's funny how that cycle of life works. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. We're saving approximately $600,000 a a month, $7.2 million a year by giving individuals a card that allows them to buy food or baby supplies, spending $13 a day on food that's cheaper, that's less food waste. This is a real win-win for us. And the money will go into the local economy because now we're going to the local stores, supermarkets, where we're going to hire local. This is a smart way to bring down the cost and replace the money back into our city. All right, that was uh, Mayor Eric Adams of the New York City. I have a new theory. I have a new theory, and this could be a wild theory, but I've been thinking long and hard on that one. I have a theory that Democrats have no clue how an economy actually works. Is that a good theory? Let's Okay, I got it. Democrat progressives have zero clue how basic economics work. They need to go back to college while they're the super, super stupid smart people that have apparently have their higher education. They need to go back to economics 101. <laughs> That's we're saving six hundred thousand dollars a month and seven point five million dollars a year. How are we saving that? We're spending money on the illegal immigrants. This is, by the way, the money that they're spending on the illegal migrants to be housed and to have food and to take care of them in the community of New York City. That's what they're doing. Yeah, and we're spending that money, and apparently that's how much money we're saving. And then they say, well, look at that. We're investing in the local economy, which is what they think. And Barack Obama talked about this on the national level as well, that essentially if we just print a bunch of money and we inject it into the private sector, that all of a sudden we're stimulating the economy because we're investing it into private businesses. We're injecting it in. But it's really the cycle of life. We're not creating anything new, are we? Because if you're injecting it and printing it from the government, 
giving it to a private entity, and then they pay taxes, and then that money goes back to the government. Are we we just recycling things that don't actually have any value? Isn't that essentially what we're doing? We're recycling something that didn't have any value in the first place. Hence, the devaluing of the dollar. That's probably why we see the headline from CNBC right now that shows the U.S. national debt is rising by a trillion dollars every 100 days. Every 100 days, we see the a trillion dollars added to the national debt, and it continues to climb every 100 days. Why? Because we're spending too much money. Now, there's two ways to solve this. You could either, one, you could increase revenue, which would be, a.k.a. increasing taxes, or you could be lower spending by actually cutting spending, which we're not seeing happen right now. This is all common sense. I don't know why I need to tell you this, because you get this, but this is the nerve-wracking, brain-numbing stupidity that we have to deal with on a daily basis, because right now we just passed a continuing resolution. We passed a continuing resolution that's not actually solving any issues. We have the appropriations bills that probably aren't going to see any spending cuts right now, and we're going to continue to see a trillion-dollar increase in our national debt every 100 days, which, by the way, we just broke $34 trillion by sitting at 34 dollars uh, They actually had a typo in here. It says $34.4 billion, but then down here it says $34 trillion. As of January 4th, we officially surpassed that $34 trillion threshold with a billion, or I'm sorry, $1 trillion being increased every 100 So, and what we have 365 days of the year. So essentially, we're increasing at $3 trillion a year, which means by the end of this year, we'll be sitting at $37 trillion, if my math is correct here. Again, I'm not as smart as some of those people with the really high education levels of those elite snobs that we see telling us how stupid we are here in the rural America and the flyover nation and the ones that don't have really high college degrees and the truck drivers out there and the military people out there and the ones that own small businesses and the ones that are farmers. Because remember, anybody can be a farmer. You don't have to be a, have a college degree to go out, out there and be a farmer and put something in the ground and water it. Those are actual quotes from people in New York City and some of these elite progressives that don't think that we actually have any type of IQ level. They're the ones that are allowing our debt to increase a trillion dollars every 100 days. Crazy how that works, right? Got to take a break. When we come back right around the corner, Mark Tapson, he is with the David Horowitz Freedom Foundation. Uh, we'll take a look at some of the taboos that are happening in society. Oh, my. What's really going on? And what are they trying to normalize and accept and rationalize here in society. We'll do that when this we come back. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. I'm so glad you were able to go down this road of basic economics with me. I feel really silly, like, having to explain some of this because it's just common sense stuff that government spending leads to more debt, which leads to two options. You can either raise revenue, which is increasing taxes, which is obviously a very stupid thing to do, or you can lower spending in order to have less money coming going out than is actually coming in. It's a basic concept, and, again, the elites... The ones that have really, really high education levels and the ones that really have uh, these degrees that tell us that they're the elites in society and that, uh, you know, we're the farmers, that we're the truck drivers, that we're the middle of the country, that we're just the the, the bumpkins in society that have low IQ levels because we don't have this really high degree. They don't grasp that concept. So we see this hundred, we see a trillion dollars 
increase into our debt every 100 days, meaning we're going to have $3 trillion increase to our debt this year alone unless we do something drastic. And government continues to just pass for continuing resolutions. And we're supposed to be okay with that. We're just, again, these aren't the Joey Joe looking for. We're not supposed to talk about those. And I feel silly talking about such a common sense thing because that's a waste of airtime, is it not? But yet, sometimes we have to remind the other side of the aisle. And they're the ones that think that by spending more money, you're actually saving money, which is what we just heard from Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, because by spending $600,000 a month or $7.5 million a year on illegal migrants for food and for housing and so on and so forth, we're actually saving money. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, all right, if that's what you say, that's what you say, buddy. Whatever. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? Let's do it. Happy to have on the program. It's been a while since we've had him on, but let's have a little fun uh, with a little bit not-so-economic conversation here on the program. Taboos. What's taboo in society nowadays? What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? And there's different directions we can go with that. Obviously, things have changed in society quite a bit. So, I mean, uh, hairstyles for what's acceptable, having tattoos on display, whether it's acceptable or not, uh, different lifestyles, if you want to talk about it that way, that's acceptable or not acceptable, ways that people live their life on a daily basis. What's okay and what's not okay, and who's pushing that envelope to challenge society to say that, uh, you know, challenging the rules, challenging what's okay and what's not okay in the world. Happy to have on the program. He is the Shillman Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center, uh, focusing on pop culture, especially happy to have on here Mr. Mark Tapson. Mark, how are you, my friend? Doing very well, Andy. Thanks Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you back on. Happy New Year to you. It's been a little bit. Uh, it's a, thank you. Yeah, it's a fascinating conversation to talk about the changing of taboos on what's okay and not okay because, uh, I mean, I'm 35, I'm part of the millennials, and I've seen changes. I can only imagine that the older generations that have seen, you know, that are 50, 60, 70, 80 years old right now, I can only imagine the changes that they've seen in society and what's acceptable and not acceptable in society. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just... Um, you don't even have to look at it in a generational perspective. I mean, just look over over the last five or ten years, all of the changes, um, the, the different perspectives that we've come to adopt in, in our society and in our culture that five or ten years ago we would never have imagined. Uh, just gender ideology, for example. Look at some of this, you know, personal pronouns, all of these things uh, that have happened just in recent, recent years. It, it seems to be accelerating out of control. Yeah. It really is out of control. And I guess the point that we need to ask is where's the line drawn here? If we already can not only question our gender and we talk about these different pronouns, we talk about gender fluid and we can change it on a daily basis or that's whatever we feel for the day. Where is the line? I mean, where does something like that end to be like, all right, this is the end goal that they're trying to get to? Or is there one? I would say there is not one. I think that the left, uh, the radical left proves uh, almost daily now that there is no limit, there is no line that they will not um, try to cross. That you know, ultimately, the left is a revolutionary movement. I mean, their their aim is to overthrow the existing order and to rebuild a utopia in the ashes of, uh, of you know an imperfect civilization that that uh, that they see as responsible for all uh, evil and oppression and racism and misogyny in the world. And so they want to overthrow all that. So it's a, it's a very revolutionary movement. And in order to overthrow everything, uh, you, need to, uh, you need to overthrow all of the existing culture's limits 
and uh, values and uh, beliefs, you need to overthrow all of that to uh, start fresh. So I don't think there is any limit that they wouldn't consider uh, transgressing. And, and along those lines, I wrote an article recently, which uh, I think is probably what caught your eye, which is called The Left's War on Taboos. And I was specifically addressing cannibalism. Uh, and you'd, you'd think that that sounds like a conspiracy theory to say that the left wants to um, do away with that taboo or normalize cannibalism. But I've, I've seen a few bits of evidence recently, which lead me to believe that that's where they are headed uh, it, on the one hand, it seems kind of funny to talk about, uh, but on the other hand, you look at some of the um, the other tra- uh, taboos or uh, transgressions that the left has normalized, and you think, well, why would they leave cannibalism off the list? I mean, you know, the, the sexual grooming of children, men dominating women's sports, yeah. uh, polyamory, pedophilia, there's almost nothing that the left is not in the process of normalizing or hasn't already normalized. So why would cannibalism be off limits? Uh, and the, the reason I wrote about this was I noticed a couple of articles recently in a, a British science magazine called New Scientist, which seemed to be trying to rehabilitate uh, this notion of cannibalism, this taboo, and get us to think about it in, in different ways. I mean, they literally say in these articles um, that this is a taboo that we need to reassess in light of uh, our evolutionary past. And I'm thinking... Why do we need to reassess this? What, what's going on here? Uh, and they argue in these articles, well, you know, our, our Neanderthal ancestors, uh, as well as various tribes throughout history in different locales around the world, they have uh, engaged in cannibalism. So maybe it's something we should rethink also. You know, it's, uh, you've got one expert in an article here that said uh, that it's perfectly normal, or is it perfectly natural, and we are an extension of nature, therefore, you know, there's maybe no, there's nothing wrong with it, and we should rethink it. And this strikes me as very bizarre. Um, and then in addition to those two articles, there was a Washington Examiner op-ed in which a gentleman wrote that he tried to ask Google's artificial intelligence program to come up with an argument uh, condemning cannibalism as always immoral, and the AI program wouldn't do it. <laughs> it said its response was uh, cannibalism is a complicated issue, and we should consider all points of view about it. So uh, there are these different examples that seem to be kind of bubbling up to the surface in our culture of ways in which the left seems to be trying to to bust that taboo wide open also. I think it's extremely weird. Yeah, it's taken things to another level. And and you're right, there is no limit, and especially when they talk about something like cannibalism, which uh, is wild because when we think about that, we're like, well, we have a level of standard that we seem to be just regressing right now. And it makes sense, I guess, from the standpoint where they really want the environmental movement for us to essentially be the Neanderthals again. No electricity to living yeah. in huts and living in mud huts out in the middle of the wilderness. So why not just yeah. default ourselves back to that level? We already do it with emojis and texting each other without full sentences anyway. So we're already regressing ourselves back. So from that mindset, it sounds like they want to, but uh, they've tried to make this mainstream. I remember a town 
town hall meeting from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of our favorite people here on the program that we love to talk about for sure. I am told this is a garbage disposal. Uh, Yeah, I mean, she had a town hall meeting talking about environmentalism, and she had a lady at her town hall saying that we need to eat children to keep the population low. Like, they openly admitted this. Like, this is a they've taken it to a level of, uh, like you said, scariness almost. Yes, well, I have to assume that maybe they're trying to um, uh, butter us up for a kind of a soilent green future in which people feed off, uh, you know, the population feeds off the dead in order to save the planet. You remember that Charlton Heston movie from from the 70s, that science fiction movie, Soylent Green, uh, in which Charlton is kind of a dystopian future, and Charlton Heston discovers that the secret ingredient in this food product that is uh, keeping the population alive is actually human beings. Um, And I have to wonder if that's what they're kind of, uh, you know, steering us toward is the normalization of the idea of consuming the dead rather than eating, uh, you know, beef um, or uh, farming, uh, you know, massive tracts of land, because those are things that the, the globalist left is trying to, you know, is, is trying to destroy also is uh, they're trying to ruin farming and eliminate um, meat from our diets so that we can eat bugs like Bill Gates wants us to. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm beginning to think that this whole normalization of cannibalism has to do with breaking down the taboo of considering, um, you know, considering cannibal, cannibalism as an option for feeding the populace. That's a wild thought to even consider. It is. I mean, we used, to, we used to see this as a horror movie of like when you would see the guy actually, you know, cutting people up and that sort of thing. But the fact that we're talking about this and again, believe it, conspiracy, not conspiracy. Uh, there's no end to what they try to challenge in society today. And we see that right in front of our eyes when it comes to the environmental issue. When we see the the, ch- the questioning of gender and confusing our children, doing hormone blockers. I mean, we're already trying to manipulate the body and ways that it's not supposed to be manipulated at all in the first place. We're talking about Mark Tapson with the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, Mark, hang on the line here. We've got to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about how we got to this point, and is there a spiritual aspect to this? Is there such a focus on the three-dimensional physical body that we've forgotten some of that higher power, which would make sense when we also see some of the lack of the younger generations going to church or believing in a higher power or being part of religion in some way shape or form how does that play into this and is that leading to this cause that is the church of liberalism so eloquently put by ann coulter when she wrote her book years ago on that one we'll do some of that when we come back right around the corner for a friday here on the voice of reason lots more to get to stay here this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I know this is a happy-go-lucky conversation to get you off into the weekend, but happy Friday to you (laughs) as we talk about the wildness from the left side of the aisle. Their ends know no bounds. Every time that they gain some ground, this is on the social front, this is on the taboo front, this is on the economic front, this is on the political front, whatever you look at. I always say when government, for example, size of government, they start a new administration or they start a new 
agency, bureaucracy, whatever, department that's going to protect America, that's going to do something. It never goes away. And once they increase spending for something, this is the new starting point. It never goes back to what it was before. It'll never downsize again. And even if Democrats lose the majority in power in Congress for a short amount of time, they lose the presidency for a short amount of time, they don't care. They ram through their agenda as much as possible, regardless of how popular or unpopular it may be. It doesn't matter. And then when they lose because it is unpopular, they wait. Republicans don't have the spine to actually reverse it and go back to the way it was before. And then they guess what? When they get back into power, there's a new starting line. And they do it all over again. It's a vicious cycle. And we see this with social issues. We see this on the political front, economic front, the social front. Members, we've never tried pure socialism. That's our argument. That's Bernie Sanders' argument. We've never tried pure. If we would just go further down the road of socialism, all of a sudden the socialist utopia dreamland would all of a sudden just work. If not, then it's because capitalism infringed upon it. It was a dirty form of socialism. And just because millions of people died under socialist dictatorships, it doesn't matter that it's because it was not a pure form of socialism. If we just try it one more time, then this time it would work. Until then... <laughs> yeah, so that's where we're at right now, especially when it comes to taboos. We're talking with Mark Tapson. He is with the David Horowitz Freedom Center. If you want to read his piece, you can go to it at frontpagemag.com, uh, Front Page Magazine. His article, The Left's War on Taboos, Get Ready for the Normalization of Cannibalism, which you would think, again, is a wild conversation to have, but are we getting to that point? We already have some that have hinted the little breadcrumbs have been dropped in society for this issue. Right now, and Mark, I teased it going into the break, but uh, where does this fall? I mean, is this because we've gone so far away from belief in higher power or belief in some type of spirituality or religion is because we're so focused on this three-dimensional physical form that this is all we have and who cares about anything beyond that? Because, again, government's the solution. Mankind can actually solve the issues. The government can solve the issues for us and that we can just do whatever we want to with the body because we need to control it and environmentalism is more important. Well, I think you really hit on it. I mean, I think we're engaged in spiritual warfare here. I really do. I think it's hard, you know, whether you're a hardcore believer or not, I think it's hard to look at the world and not realize that there is a giant battle of good versus evil going on uh, that's got to, you know, transcend just the the uh, the mere political and the mere cultural. I think there's you know there are larger forces at work here. And I do think that our culture is regressing uh, to a sort of a new paganism. I think we're not not even a, a secular culture anymore. I think we're degenerating into a neo-pagan culture. As you see, Christianity in decline, not only in America but in the Western world, generally speaking. And uh, a, a concomitant rise in Satanism and other occult practices. And, you know, the left, uh, you know, they're driven by this kind of cultural Marxism for the last 60 or maybe even 80 years. And Marx was a, an atheist who wrote poems about Satan. <laughs> so I think there's a real satanic, demonic element to the kind of cultural Marxism that's taken over our culture. Um, and it's it, the, the taboo busting that we've been talking about is a kind of a rejection of Judeo-Christian morality and, and our Judeo-Christian values, which emphasize the dignity of the individual. And, uh, you know, they want to replace that with a, 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 a collective utopia that they think is a kind of a perfect world. And to create a perfect world, if you think you have a plan for that, um, you know, you, you're willing to break a lot of eggs to make that omelet. You're, you're willing to uh, 
uh, kill maybe even millions of people if, in the end, you can create heaven on earth. And that's sort of their goal. So it's... Uh, um, it's kind of a terrifying thing and a terrifying time. Yeah, it is a terrifying thing and a terrifying time. The good news, I'm always the eternal optimist here, but the good news is this stuff's beginning to come to light. And when we see it, society's not ready for it. Just like FDR, he recognized the fact that he, the way he instilled socialism by implementing it slowly so people didn't recognize. Democrats and progressives today, they're getting anxious. They're trying to push that envelope and we're catching on, which is why, for example, like Bud Light, when they did their whole thing with the transgenderism, they lost $1.4 billion in revenue for Bud Light themselves and Anheuser-Busch because we're not ready for that stuff and they're pushing it too far and in return the pendulum's going to start swinging back that other way so I'm excited about that. Mark we appreciate the time my friend. Always good to chat with you. Let's get you back on again real soon. Likewise. Looking forward to it. Hey absolutely. Lots more to cover. Until then have a great weekend. We're back at it again on Monday for a whole new week. So much more to talk about. So much more to get to. Until then be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.